Hey guys, just a quick reminder about the printable color charts by Barb Sodi Art. If you've not picked up a chart yet, be sure and do that before, I don't know, she changes the price or she no longer offers them. I don't know. Something like that could happen. You never know. Go over and pick them up. It's sort of a palette cleanser in between art projects. It's a great thing to do. I'll talk just a little bit more about those with Barb in the middle of the show. Today's podcast is brought to you by the Face Value Course, the Sharpened Artist Academy flagship course. Have you been frustrated trying to draw portraits in colored pencil? Do you want to draw people confidently and accurately, but don't know where to start? Or maybe you're just tired of copying another artist's line drawing. I get it. The Face Value Course, now in its fourth year, will give you the tools you need to create your own original portraits. You'll be given a step-by-step -step system for independent decision-making, bite-sized exercises, and live weekly office hours interaction to keep you accountable. Enrollment for the course is still open, and there's still time for you to join the 2021 cohort. Just go to the show notes for the link before enrollment closes. Welcome to Sharpened Artist, a colored pencil podcast. Weekly discussions in and around this medium that we love so much. Hey there, my name is John Middick of SharpenedArtist.com. This is the Sharpened Artist Colored Pencil Podcast. If you would like to get the show early and ad-free, go over to Monthly Sharpener, become part of the community over there in Member Circle. All right, I want to welcome back to the show, Barb Sodiropoulos. Barb, how are you today? I'm doing great. This is apparently my thing now, my jazz hands. <laughs> the jazz hands. I'm waving. Jazz I, I really hands. Hope people aren't, yeah, I'm hoping people aren't finding them obnoxious over in member circle because I apparently <laughs> do it all the time. So hello, everyone. Oh, yeah, I forgot to mention. <laughs> yeah, you get the video version over there early. All right. So that's that's the cool thing about it because sometimes, you know, we've got visual aids and you can always speed up the video and listen to it faster. You know, I know people like to do that. I like to do that. So Barb, we are talking about making mistakes, making mistakes. We sure are. are we still doing that? Are we making mistakes in our art or are we just perfect and error free? I mean, I are think we that inerrant? is the lie <laughs> that a lot of people are trying to peddle. But <laughs> it's very convincing though. It's very convincing. I mean, yeah, sure. I mean, here's the thing. As as anyone who is on social media knows, it mm -hmm. is very much a highlight reel. Absolutely. And we are here to dispel all of your myths. On, <laughs> on, uh, well, sometimes I'll I'll get an email from someone and they'll say, you know, they'll reference uh, some big name artists and they'll say, well, they do this and uh, you should look at their art and they do this and this and this and like, and like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I and and I'm not laughing at, at this person. I'm just saying, yes, I yeah, those are methods, those are techniques, those that's a technique, that's a method. Um, and that person is not error free and they don't have just the end all be all technique for whatever it is, you know. So yeah, I think it's a an important thing to talk about and it's it's actually a question I get often. I'm sure you do as well, Barb. Where they'll say, how do I, you know, how, do, how can I just start creating my artwork faster or better? Or uh, I, I get frustrated. I don't know how to finish. That kind of thing. 
And really the question comes down to, and really what they're after, and they're, they're as much saying this uh, with all these other things is, how do I stop making mistakes? And really, I think the message today, at least from my side, is don't don't think of it. You're don't think of it like that. You're setting up this false dichotomy, really, when you start saying, "Okay, if I'm going to be this great artist or the artist I think I'm going to be, then that means I'll make no mistakes." That's a false dichotomy, in my mind, because you're always going to make mistakes. Now, hopefully, uh, you'll make fewer of the same mistakes. But you'll learn from those mistakes and you'll get to make new ones. I mean, that's what I do. I make the old ones too. Don't get me wrong. I don't know about you, Barb. You probably make some old mistakes sometimes too. But I at least learn how to trouble through those mistakes. I I think sometimes, you know, a mistake can even be as simple as you bump your hand weird. I did it in my workshop just this past weekend. I did it in my workshop. I hit the, the drawing uh, I don't know, I was flipping my pencil over or something. I hit the drawing with with uh, my pencil in a highlight area, you know. Yeah. I was like, another, another classic one that happens to me is things sometimes just fall out of my hand on the road. And then, you know, it, of yeah. course, it's got yeah. to land tip down. Right. So, oh, know. I know. So, I know. And, and it's always the one that can't be erased. You're like, I didn't, how much pressure was on that draft? Like, I know, just, I know. So, yeah, I think it's really important to also just mention that, like, you know, it's not even just the accidental mistakes we're talking yeah. about. It could just be, you know, if how, especially if you have a really complicated outline for something um, with a lot of repetitive yeah. lines or something like that right. that require you to fill in, like, every alternate one or something like that, like, Right. I find sometimes I struggle with that. And, you know, you could start coloring in a section and realize, oh, my gosh, I'm coloring in the wrong thing. Like, it happens even to, oh, yeah. you know, experienced oh, artists. That, that happens to me uh, more than I would like to admit. Oh, yeah, me too. And it happens in the hair a lot. Yes. If I'm drawing a portrait, I'm like, okay, I'm drawing this curl over here. Like, oops. Yeah. This isn't the back of the head. This is right here and into the ear or something like that. We're, we're I mean, just like smashing all our credibility right now with everyone. <laughs> but it's, it needs well, to be talked I, about. It really does. It does. Because, yeah. yeah. I think we're dispelling the myth, though, like you mentioned, because there there is this mythological position that I think people feel like you can you can get into this particular class of artists and then you're never going to make a mistake again. Um and that, that's just not the case. I don't believe that. You, you show me that artist that doesn't ever make mistakes. Well, and what's interesting about it, too, is when you come from something like painting, for example, like I used to almost exclusively paint in acrylics. And, you know, when you're painting, you make a mistake, you paint over it. It's super easy, yeah. right? Like for the most part, almost, almost nothing. like that. Yeah, almost yeah. nothing is is unfixable, right? Like right. for the most part. Right. And what's interesting with colored pencil, because it is so unforgiving in the process, it requires such a laborious layering and that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, is that I think, you know, there's obviously a lot of incentive to not make a mistake, but it doesn't mean that yeah. it doesn't occur. And so, right. you know, what we're really going to talk about today between our two different processes is kind of how we resolve those issues when they arise because sometimes starting over is not an option right like depending how far you've gotten along to really just uh, i i very rarely ever restart a piece now 
Um, I think I've only yeah, ever done it either. maybe once. Um, smaller pieces, it's different. If I'm working at a really small size, sometimes I will. Yeah. But the challenge I give myself most of the time is how do I fix this and either still make it work or what, you know, process or technique can I use to sort of resolve yep. this without, without right. having to start over? Yeah, well, and it really is the hallmark of uh, just being an artist yes. is, uh, in my opinion. Yeah. So let me let me let me uh, frame that. I guess what I encourage students to do is to become the best artist that they can be, and so I define that as uh, you um, start developing and learning who you are as an artist and learning your own style while you're learning, uh, in, you know, and improving in your art craft but you make independent choices along the way and so i try to encourage students not to be married to a process a technique uh, a particular subject that isn't their own uh, a particular or prescribed uh, color recipe because i want them to think for themselves and create their own original artwork so i'm real big on that uh, but the thing is what i've noticed and uh you know i guess when we start talking more about these solutions. Should we just move into that? Maybe yeah, for sure. start talking about these yeah. solutions. Okay. So one of the things I guess I wanted to talk about then with the solutions is what I've noticed is I did this very early on and I still see new students do this as well. That is they'll start over, like you mentioned, start over too soon or start over at all rather than finding, you know, we're problem solvers as artists. Yeah, you know, we have an intention. We have a goal that we uh, were set on at the beginning. There's an obstacle that occurs and we then replan. You know, we did some pre-planning, but after the obstacle is met, then we replan. We repurpose, reorganize everything. We figure out how to overcome that particular uh, error, if you want to call it that, that problem. And then we resolve that thing. And so we come out on the other side understanding how we went through that problem what happens when you start over is do you reinforce the problem and i didn't realize that early on and it's something uh, that now i try not to do because it reinforces that pattern that behavior so i come to the obstacle my first response then is to just start over i've reinforced that behavior i don't want to do that Okay, second thing that I see is, and this is something I did as well when I started out, is I would use solvent too early. I would use it as, a, as sort of a cover-up tool, that kind of thing. Now, I still do that with intention, and it can be used in that way. But what I've noticed often is a student too early on will decide, oh, well, I'm going to uh, I can't really make this a smooth gradient, so I'm going to use solvent instead. And then they've opened up a whole host of other problems when they've done this. So I think using solvent too early on or trying to use it as a tool or a cover-up for poor form or uh, a lack of just trying to use the pencils for all they're worth uh, can result in some problems. Okay, and then thirdly, and I'm going to recap here in a moment, but um, thirdly, a problem that I see with just trying to reach a, a solution uh, and doing it prematurely is using erasers too early. 
Okay. Now that may seem really weird, but let me, let me explain that for a second. If you go through a layering process and you're one or two, maybe three layers in, and then you're like, I don't like, I don't like my third layer. I don't like my second layer. This is looking too, whatever, fill in the blank, too warm, too cool, too dark, too light in value. Um, or the, you know, the chrome is too much of this red. I need to mute this down or whatever. Instead of saying, okay, I'm going to grab the eraser because what happens when you grab the eraser often it, it creates these little blotches. If you've got three layers, it creates these uneven blotches of even color. Now, if I'm talking about like a cheek on a person, right? I want that to look very smooth. So you've created another problem. Rather than working through the problem and saying, okay, what do I need to do now? Now that I'm presented with this problem right now, this is where I go back to you, you replan. You know, you've, you've got an obstacle right now. And so you ask yourself, is this too warm or too cool? Is it too dark or too light? What does it need now? So you can always, nearly always modify that with another layer of pencil. Okay. That's what I try to do now is I try not to erase too early. And, and I'm guessing Barb in a moment, we can talk about some of the methods or techniques. I want to give you guys some practical advice on how to erase whenever you do have some problems. So we'll talk about that in a moment. But I try not to erase too early and I try not to uh, use solvent too early. Yeah, definitely. I think one of the things you really touched upon too, uh, just regarding problem solving to me is really interesting because I feel like um, I actually really do think it makes you a better artist when you can find a solution to not abandon a piece. Um, yeah. I, 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 yeah. I feel like I noticed one of, one of the things I used to do when I was first really practicing drawing is I went from drawing in pencil to drawing in pen. And what I found happened mm-hmm. was because I knew I couldn't erase it, I started being a little bit more um, careful and drawing with intention. Uh, when I was, and, and actually if I was using a reference, really, really looking at my reference and making a decision before mm. I made a, a, a pen stroke essentially, because there, you know, yeah. like there's like there, it, there's like, there's no turning back, I guess, if you want to be dramatic about it, but right. like, yeah, like I, right. I really think that when you try to find a solution with something and it's happened to me before where it's like. Okay, well, I didn't plan to have a leaf there, but there's a leaf there now. <laughs> and, you know, I mean, <laughs> right, with right. The, the type of artwork that I do, it's it's usually pretty creative concepts and stuff. So there's a little bit more flexibility mm-hmm. to do those sort of things. But, you know, for me, even in saying that, if I now decide I need to put a leaf somewhere that I didn't before, I'm also still evaluating whether it's going to, the composition is still going to feel balanced if I do that. And, you know, there's still like a lot yeah. of decisions that have to be made in that process. And some of that is what comes with, um, with time and sort of experience. But I guess the point we're both trying to make is that, you know, as an experienced artist, like you're still going to encounter those situations. And I bet that if you were to question a lot of different artists about where there were things that are in their pieces that were actually mistakes that they just made work, it's probably a higher number of people than you think. Like. It's just not the, it's not the Mm -hmm. kind of information that gets shared because nobody wants to, 
nobody wants to share that. And I understand the reasons why, but I really think it's, you know, from the perspective of a younger artist, if you're sitting there kind of beating yourself up thinking Mm -hmm. like, oh, why can't I do this without ever making a mistake? It's like, well, just know that it still happens to everyone. The difference is how you then choose to resolve that mistake. How do you choose to problem solve it? So whether that's some of the methods we're going to talk about that you and I both use to, you know, correct things that are, you know, mistakes or, or, you know, things that end up just being creative solutions that we come up with to save the piece, yeah. essentially. And actually, sometimes I've had it, too, where some things happened by accident and it ended up taking it in a path that actually improved it. So, I mean, that's, uh, you know, mm-hmm. whatever, like, mm-hmm. I, I, you're really patting yourself on the back after something like that happens, for sure. <laughs> but, 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 you know, like, yeah. the point being yeah. that the, the answer is not always abandon it and start over. You really, you're really almost right. not giving yourself enough of a chance when you do that. There are occasions where it, things go to the point of no return, but it really, it really doesn't happen as often as people think it, it, that it does in their pieces. Right. Right. And yeah, I, I love that point. And, and I, and I would just say that, um, you know, I remember, oh, about 10 years ago, something like that. I remember talking to. Uh, an artist and uh, over email and asking them some questions, you know, I was just like anyone, anyone else starting out in color pencil. I wanted to know what some of the successful uh, pencil artists were doing. And I remember getting the advice, don't start over. Uh, and this guy, I mean, he'd been doing this for a long time and he said, don't start over. And he said, and don't erase, try not to erase. Don't, don't give yourself that option. And I thought, yeah, Right. You know, I, I didn't believe him. And I thought he's trying to make fun of me or something. Yeah, not really. But I mean, I was, I was just kind of, I was very, very skeptical of that. And I was like, don't erase. What are you talking about? And uh, he said, I rarely erase. And I, I started, you know, embracing that idea a little bit more. And I, I'll tell you what it was, Barb. I, I, I'm just going to move into this and um, talk about it very briefly. But when I switched um, paper surfaces, then I kind of started understanding that. And even on, and I would go back, even on uh, less forgiving surfaces, I try not to erase now very much either. But when I switched over and I started using uh, you know, papers like, um, to a lesser degree, Stonehenge, because you, you still, you know, have some, some ghosting, you know, I want to call it, after you erase something. Different kind something. of but, ghosting. Um, to a large extent. For the different kind, (laughs) (laughs) right? It's not that ghosting. We're still talking, (laughs) but um, but when we're talking about you know you art sanded paper or pastel mat things like that, then I'm able to go over those areas that I consider quote unquote a mistake with a lighter, darker, whatever color, and it will show up, and I can modify, I can shift that back in a direction where it needs to be. So when I embraced that idea of, oh, the first thing I'm going to do is run and grab the eraser, you know, when I embrace the idea to not do that and to think to myself, no, I'm not going to do that unless I'm using the eraser, you know, I'll put this caveat in there as a tool or mechanism for drawing, you know, looking at the negative space and sort of carving out some of those angles, images and curves and all that that I need in there. But I'm saying if I'm looking at something like, oh, shouldn't have done that, then I'm not going to just grab the eraser right away. 
Yeah. And I think one of the things too, and again, you sort of touched upon this a little bit too, is one of the things that helps avoid mistakes and then to begin with is stuff like having a really good line drawing that you're starting with or reference Uh, points to start with, right? Like, because when you've nailed that drawing and and what I'll do a lot of the time is before I even get to my final piece of paper, there's a lot of um, versioning and sketching and stuff that's happening with my drawings beforehand. And because I'm doing a lot of creative compositions and, you know, added elements from an original reference photo that weren't there to begin with, like, I need to work out some of the problems ahead of time. And so that's happening in either a sketchbook or digitally. And I'm making those kind of uh, changes, decisions, those sort of things. I'm figuring them out first so that when I get to my paper, that's going to be where my final artwork is. I'm not then making those uh, changes then because that's a bad time to be making them. Right. And some people, I think, will jump too quickly from their line drawing to then the finished piece. And if you're doing a portrait, for example, um, you know, you may want to sit there and sketch out the portrait first, especially if you're new to human anatomy and and drawing faces. You may want to really, really make sure you've nailed that drawing before you transfer it to the final piece of paper you're going to use. Because, yeah, you might figure out in the process of rendering and shading that you're like, oh, man, I really didn't do that right. Or the spacing on this is totally off. And and then what ends up happening is that's a big, that's a bigger thing. That's a bigger hurdle, I guess, to try and recover from, right? Whereas if you've already done those preliminary steps to kind of make sure that your framework and the, and the skeleton, I guess, of your drawing has been made as good as it can possibly be, then you're setting yourself up for success further down the road. The Color Pencil Podcast is brought to you by UART Premium Sanded Paper. There are so many different advantages to using a sanded paper, such as using lighter pencils like white over dark areas. That's just one of the advantages. So that flexibility allows you to keep on layering over and over again. If you've never tried sanded paper before, go over to the show notes and click on the link to get your first batch of UART Premium premium sanded paper and we thank you art for their support of the color pencil podcast barb let's talk for a second about these color charts there are still artists who have had questions about them and have not picked them up yet so what would you say what's the biggest reason why you think a new color pencil artist or an old one like myself <laughs> uh, <laughs> might want to pick one of these up and start using it yeah, I think the the biggest advantage to having these charts is that most colored pencil artists, once you start getting into colored pencil, it becomes a bit of an obsession. So, you know, Definitely. you start getting all the brands and it can be really hard to keep them straight. And I find even for myself, there are certain brands I tend to use more in my artwork. But every now and then I want to venture out or a certain colored pencil line has a, a, a slightly different, you know, that perfect color that I need for a piece. So having these charts for me just makes it really easy to reference that and grab the right color and forget the guesswork because a lot of times what can happen is even the barrel of the pencil isn't necessarily accurate to what the pencil looks like when you actually use it. So what, what I find is really helpful about this because you're filling them in yourself with the pencils that you own, you're getting a really accurate color representation. No need for having a scrap piece of paper all the time now beside you while you're working. You just have to reference your chart. You just have to fill them in. 
do the work once, and then you have it as a resource for you over and over again. Awesome. Even relying on those tips, guys. I mean, don't rely on the tip. To tell you the color, that can be very deceiving as well, as we all know. So go over to the show notes, and we'll have a link set up for you over there. If you're brand new to art, oftentimes, you know, you'll find out, aha, um, light bulb moment. Most fine artists tra uh, trace their line drawing, get their line drawing by, by tracing it a lot of times if you're trying to emulate a photo. And, um, you know, once you find that out, you're like, what? Aha, this is cheating or whatever. You know, you overcome those obstacles and then you start doing it and you're like, wow, I didn't realize that tracing something doesn't just create an instant art piece. Well, who who yeah, thunk if you it? can't if but, you can't actually <laughs> still draw, tracing is not it's an automatic. Like I mean, people have or, no, yeah. but a lot of people, people think are that, very and passionate it's about this topic. And without kind of going on a tangent right. about it, like it's it, I I will say hands down, tracing does not equal all of a sudden having a great drawing. If you can't make decisions in terms of understanding how a line works or how you, you know yeah. understanding basic uh principles of drawing and that sort of thing yeah there's only so much i would also argue that if you're not good at drawing like depending on what you're trying to to replicate it right some people like to tackle really really complex subject matter and yeah you can do the best out like outlining in the world however it is that you can get it transferred to your paper right. but if you still don't understand principles of drawing it's it's gonna lurk a certain way it's like, gonna I show could do a, i could do yeah. a traced it's, like line drawing give it to my boyfriend and give him my colored pencils right. and i can guarantee you it's not going to turn out the way that i do stuff and oh you same, know what i mean same yeah i give it to my wife and it would it would like, uh, so, yeah, it, it wouldn't be recognizable yeah, so people need to, after she's yeah, done people with need it. to realize that like that's normally done as a time saver but there still needs to be principles of drawing there in the artist who's creating yeah. it for it to still end up looking like it does in the end right so well and what i would say also is uh just to highlight that point that that you uh that you brought up taking more time on that line drawing is critical. So once you trace it, here's the problem when we start out. Uh, and I had this problem. I know you do as well if you're brand new listening today. You think, oh, it's a home run after I've traced it. No, because that line drawing moves on you. It shifts, especially when you start shading. And so knowing and understanding where those boundary marks are, where that roadmap is and understanding what those lines represent for you is one thing. It's quite a different matter. And then uh, having that education of anatomy, if we're talking about portraiture, uh, is invaluable because that line drawing only takes, you know, in the grand scheme of things, maybe 5% of your time, if that. Uh, after that, you know, it's all up to all that knowledge that uh, that you're uh, banking on and understanding about the subject matter. Once we know the subject matter, then we can start rendering quite accurately. But here's the thing. One of the things I, I started doing early on, I still do it to this day, is I use a Grizz Eye method because that helps me so much. It's not because I think it's just so, you know, superior or anything like that. It's it's a, it's kind of a lazy thing to do. It helps me because I've drawn it 
once already. It's a tool. It's a tool. It's is that lazy? It's a there. Tool. We go. It's a lazy tool. <laughs> but anyway, I mean, it's a very good tool okay. though. But here's the thing: I've drawn it once in value, right? And now I'm going to draw it again in color, and I just keep layering with that process. Do you use it, Barb? Do you do that sometimes? I don't. You don't do it. Well, not um, maybe maybe a, a version of yeah, it, but yeah. I don't do it in the same way that you I, do. I can't hardly even uh, draw something without doing it because I, I I've done it so much. I, that's just the way I draw now, um, because it it's just so much easier for me to do it that way to think in values first. And I don't have to think about the color at the beginning at all. Um, so, I mean, that's that's another tool. That's something that will help. So to go along with what we already talked about then, erase less. Barb mentioned, I think it's such great advice. Get that accurate line drawing down first, first and foremost. It's building the two by four structure, the frame of the house before you ever start putting the wallpaper up. Or well, and you really need to approve that, like, you know, have your own vetting process for approving that drawing before yeah. you move it to the to your final paper. Like for me, I can I can work with something that's maybe a little bit looser just because I like I said, I have the drawing skills that can fill in the gaps yeah. if my my traced version of my sketch isn't a hundred percent. But right. you know, if you're still really new, you you need to give yourself as much information as you need to to be able to to move forward with that. Yeah, I wanted to say also, just you know, you're talking about erasing less, but I do want to talk about if you are erasing the type of things that I like to use for erasers. Uh -huh. So not sponsored here, so just you know, use what you're comfortable with. But uh, you know, the Tombow Mono Zero oh, erasers yeah. are one. great. Um. I really, really lately have been loving um, kneaded erasers. So mm -hmm. it's uh, for people that don't know, it's it'll come usually in a square, but it's basically like poster putty. Like you can squish it and erase it. There's no dust from the eraser. It kind of just absorbs whatever you rub over it. And I find it yeah. really, really helpful as well because you can get almost a softer erasing. So for mm -hmm. example, on a piece I'm working on right now, I realized I had over-rendered one side of the face and it, it with a darker color. And there wasn't, I didn't really, there wasn't really a way of, of resolving it. So I went in with my kneaded eraser and just kind of, you know, almost did like a rolling mm -hmm. method over top of it just to kind of start lifting some of the layers yeah. enough, but without. Because the other thing you have to keep in mind when you're erasing, to your point, is if you've already got like 20 layers on there or something, depending on how heavy handed you are, if you erase too much, you've now created a divot yeah. that you need to then build up to the same level as everything else. Otherwise, it's going to it's going to show visibly right on the texture of the piece. So, you know, something like a kneaded eraser will lift things. It You know, you have a little bit more control than, say, like a battery operated eraser, which is also really valuable. Um, you know, it's kind of one of those things where people want to know what the best eraser is, but it's like, it's an arsenal of erasers yeah, that you yeah. have for different, different types of erasing. And, you know, some of them are great even just for creating effects, right? Like it's not even, you know, bringing back in a highlight that maybe got a little smudging or something. And, you know, I, I really think there's some value too, and even experimenting with different types of erasers. And so when you're going to create artwork you know kind of which ones you can use to sort of aid yourself in any of those corrections no i love that yeah let's talk about erasers really quickly then um 
I think we have enough time here, Barb. I think it's just a, a quotable thing. If you guys want to retweet that or something. Um, Barb said, you need an arsenal of erasers. I couldn't agree more. I, I love that. That sort of encapsulated just everything that, you know, we do as artists with um, removing something or we're kind of drawing with our erasers. We're creating the art. We're modifying back and forth. We're pushing and pulling, right? Right. Uh, with erasers. And so the other thing I like to use, uh, I love the kneaded eraser for exactly what you said, Barb, to have that softer touch and to get rid of just a little bit. You can take off a, just a minuscule amount or a fine amount of uh, a certain layer, even yeah. that top layer that you have on there. Or you can uh, even take the, you know, a broad side of a kneaded eraser tap it a little bit in an area that uh, has some pigment down and then retap that in another area where it has that pigment down and you're not going to remove very much at all, if any, or, you know, you're going to spread it out or you can soften an area yeah. just by doing that rather than just removing it. You're just kind of softening yeah. uh, the uh I used to be all about the battery-operated erasers, and that was like my mm -hmm. thing I told everyone to get. And I, and I still really recommend them, but I'm, oh, I'm they're good. totally yeah. all about the needed eraser now just because... Yeah. It's so yeah, good. Yeah, I just I think there's so much versatility in what you can use it for in terms of not Such even just using it as an eraser, but as an effects yeah. tool. And I think, too, yes. you know, if you have, yes. if you're the kind of artist where you like to have white areas in your work, like you're not yep. necessarily filling in a whole background, what can happen right. sometimes, especially with certain brands of colored pencils, is you'll get uh, a little bit of smudging or dust in those white areas. And it's mm -hmm. such a great tool to kind of go in. You just kind of, you know, rub it across yep. the paper and it gets rid of that smudging. And, you know, yes. you can do it almost in a way that, gives you less of a harsher line than say using a manual oh, right. or a battery operated right. eraser will. And I mean, it depends on yep. your preference, but I just think like they're so, and it also like for the most part, it just kind of reanimates itself. So there's, I mean, you're not yeah. constantly buying erasers. It's great if you're somewhere where um, you can't have like, like little uh, eraser shavings yeah shavings that's yeah. not the right Erasures dust. Or eraser dust yeah yeah Every, like the little yeah. bits that get everywhere i mean because then that's a whole other thing right so if you're traveling and you're just doing some colored pencil sketching or something you know it, it's a right. great eraser for that so there's just lots of um uh there's lots of advantages to using something like that and again like we're saying having this this variety of erasers that you can use at your disposal for not only for fixing mistakes but for effects as well yeah. Now I also like sticky putty. Uh, Alcon is a brand that I love. Um, and you can do the same things with sticky putty and more because it has more tact. And so it will lift more. So this museum sticky putty works really well. Like that white one by Alcon. Yeah. Um, that's a good one. Now there are two other erasers that I absolutely use all the time. Have to have those in uh, my uh, you know bin right here next to me, and that is the the uh, mono made by Tombow. You know, it's the sand eraser. It says mono right on it, but there there's an image of it, guys. If you're looking at the video, uh, that one and the Moo eraser uh, looks like that. So I don't know if that's that's probably upside down. It's either Woo or Moo. It's Moo. 
But anyway, I mean, it, depending it on be, how I'm holding it. it yeah. We'll get <laughs> into anyway, reading ooh, on maybe. another episode. <laughs> yeah. So that one, those two right there, or the Vanish Eraser, if you don't yeah. have access to the Moo Eraser. Uh, very, very good erasers to use. And not, you know, like I said, not to uh, erase big, large passages in your drawing but to modify small areas as you see them, as they crop up. Um, and it's part of the drawing process. You're staining the paper oftentimes with layers, and then you're going back and removing some things. There, you know, there is this myth also in our mind, I think, early on, that um, someone's just using the pencils, and that's it, and they're not hardly erasing at all or not using an eraser for some effects. And I hope that we've helped you in that regard that uh, both Barbara and I talking about that, that yeah, use your erasers. Just don't use them to scrub out yeah. or wipe out big areas. I'm going to share quickly to the Tombow Mono 01 that I was talking about. Oh, this yeah. one I just Love got not long ago and it's a game changer. So mm -hmm. it's got this um, square kind of rectangular top. There's one that comes as well that's more yeah. circular and it's very small, but this one I'm really loving just because I feel like it's really great for areas where you have straight lines because, um, again, it's small and you don't have to. You have more control than you do over a battery-operated racer. One thing that I saw, actually, I saw Heather Rooney do this the other day, and apparently it's not a new method, but it was new to me. <laughs> and she actually took a battery-operated eraser and she ran it onto uh, like a little piece of sandpaper that you'll see for a pastel. Sandpaper, And yeah. made it, it like make it yeah. had like a sharp point to it. And I was like, oh, that's brilliant. Yeah. Like that's, you know. Yeah, create that totally. chisel and tip. she uses yeah. it for bringing back in yeah. details. I know other artists use this as well. But, right. um, you know, there's there's just so many things that you can use as you're like at your disposal for um right methods and that sort of thing and and having control because that's exactly the problem is that sometimes people yeah. get too heavy-handed with their erasing and you'll either erase too much or again you've gone too deep on the layers and maybe you only really needed to take off a few layers not all of the layers to really salvage right. what you needed to do let me mention one thing then barb about that rectangular yeah. tombo mono eraser that i like to do as well I like to cut it uh, at an angle yeah. as well, you know, with your with your uh, knife. And then, you, yeah, cut that tip just a little bit and you've got this nice little angle. Uh, and it's just, you know, the ergonomics of being able to wield that like a pencil is just phenomenal. I mean, you can just get really tiny little details when you do that. Awesome. I guess we we could probably talk. I could talk all day about erasers. You probably could too. Yeah, it sounds but it's like it's funny. People wouldn't think you could make an episode out of erasers, but here oh, we are. Oh my goodness! Yeah. Okay. So making mistakes. Anything else, Bar? Right. There's a couple of other things you wanted to mention, right? Yeah. So I just wanted to mention too. So the other option is also some texture fixatives or final mm. fixatives will allow you to actually create over top of them as well, or add extra colored pencil yeah. layers. And depending on what the mistake is. You can actually use that as well. So forget about erasing. There are ways that you can just kind of lay over, layer over top of some something. Um, the other thing I wanted to mention, I mean, I, I have a piece that I did this with where it wasn't salvageable in terms of making it look 100% the way I wanted it to in the actual piece. But because I know Photoshop, 
I was able to scan it and digitally kind of fix some one of the areas to make it a little better. That said, that piece will now only ever be available as a print because I won't sell the original because it just wasn't fixable enough. Yeah. But I also didn't want to abandon it because I was far enough along that I was like, okay, I can make this passable. And I know I can fix it digitally just to kind of touch it up a little bit more. But, um, you know, sometimes like if that's something that's available to you, like sometimes you don't even have to, if you, if you can maybe digitally tweak something small in your piece, it doesn't mean you have to get rid of it. And, and some people get really dramatic about it and they're like, this is garbage and they'll rip <laughs> it up and they'll whatever, but right. like, you know, the, the thing that people need to remember is like, it, with the exception on if you're doing a commission piece for something or for someone, I should say, uh, you can still potentially still profit from this piece if you're, you know, if you sell your artwork and you make a a, a practice of doing that. It just might only have a life as a print mm -hmm. now, but there's still, there's no, if everything else about it is great and there's one little area right. that you just need to kind of touch up, like the clone tool in Photoshop is amazing, <laughs> let me tell you, but, but, but really like. It's, um, you know, there's there's option to not abandon all the time the effort that you've put into this piece if there's still just one spot that's maybe not 100%. Ah, love that. Yeah. So hopefully we've given you some ideas. Um, and I just want to encourage you today, if, if you are brand new and, you know, you're thinking, oh, I'll never get to that point where I'm not making these mistakes and I just feel like every time I start, I have to start over again. Push through You'll it. get there. You will. Yeah, push, push through it. <laughs> force yourself. Force yourself to, to uh, come up with a solution. And I know you can do it. All right. Again, this podcast is a weekly podcast, and it comes out on Monday. So you can listen over on Stitcher, on iHeartRadio, um, on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, uh, Google Podcasts, wherever you're listening right now. Appreciate you as a listener. Come back each week. We'll have a brand new episode for you. And if you enjoyed the show, consider telling someone else about the show. I would appreciate that. And uh, for all the information that we talked about, if you've been busy walking the dog or, I don't know, tickling your cat or something, or maybe drawing some art, then uh, head on over to the show notes. We take those show notes for you. Consider leaving a five-star rating and or review. I would appreciate that. And we will talk to you again. Until then, take care and stay sharp. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. All the show notes can be found at www.sharpenedartist.com.